Hello all and welcome back to another episode of Front Page Dub, hitting out part two of our pre-season wrap-up. It's your host Cody Ojeda, joined as always by the wonderful, the brilliant Matthew Olsen. Matt, how are you doing today, man? That's that's rare. You've you've called me Matthew. I want to mix up to that. I thought, you know what? I, I saw it written there and I was like, you know what? I never call him Matthew. I want to see how he reacts. Yeah, well, I, t- I tell you what though, it's weird. It's a weird one because in like in like a f- like properly formal sense, I think I, I do prefer going by Matthew. But I've started to use them both interchangeably. Like in, in terms of my name recognition, just like in my in my workplace, people know me as Matt and refer to me as Matt Olson when talking about like what I've been doing. Uh, and in in a football sense, I, I most certainly am known by Matt Olson uh, on socials and stuff. So I use both. I prefer both. Just, just as an FYI, but very rarely has anyone ever called me Matthew before, especially in an introductory sense like that. So I'm all for it, Cody. Well, to be fair, it is your full name. I don't see it why is. shouldn't be proud of it. It's a great name. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the um, ins and outs of how you like to be referred to. We're obviously here to talk about the football. <laughs> <laughs> nice way of starting off the pod, of course, but so much to talk to in terms of A-League women's. We've obviously got our, the last half of our uh, season previews. Coming up, looking at the bottom half of the te- of the league, alphabetically, of course, not in terms of quality, when there is a couple of sides in there that really could be pushing for titles this year. We'll start off with some of the major headlines and one massive, massive headline that's happened over the last, cu- in the last couple of weeks. Very recent news, actually, 10 days out from the start of the season. Wanderers decided to part ways with Cat Smith. Risky? Definitely. Will it pay off? I don't know about that one. Obviously, we've got to wait and see. Robbie Hooker has been named as the new Wanderers A-League Women's Head Coach. Former Socceroos defender. Uh, comes with a, a bit of a reputation in the women's game. Was a head coach of Canberra United back in the 2008-2009 season. So, a little while since he's been in the hot seat. But Matt, it's a crazy situation. Not, one that I don't think any of us were expecting. What was your reaction when you heard the news? I guess disappointment not necessarily from the the fact that this is like farcical or anything like that but i guess just when we talk about the wondrous we, we we talk about a team that really above all else needs consistency and obviously there's something going on behind closed doors um but like yeah i i just i i i am disappointed because we we want to see them sort of grow and you don't you don't grow by doing something like this and and i guess that just for me yeah i look i look at the situation and i'm just i'm i'm struggling to get excited or feel a certain way about the wanderers um and it's not that i necessarily feel really strongly that cat smith you know necessarily like was going to you know turn the turn the team's fortunes around or anything like that but it is just disappointing um for the, for the fact that you you're taking away something that was was sort of cooking there you know what i mean no, exactly. And look, we'll get into how the coaching appointment itself will affect the team. Obviously, Wanderers are one of those teams that we're going to be looking into a little bit more in depth today. But in terms of Cat Smith herself, she looked like she, towards the end of last season, she was really starting to build something with this team. And it, it almost felt like a few, a few transfers away from maybe being able to push for finals, particularly with an expanded format. Now that kind of throws a lot of that out the window. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how it does play out in the long run, but 10 days out from the start of your season against your biggest rivals away from home and you're going in with a new coach, it's not a recipe for success. I guess that's probably the best way I'll say it, but you never know. If Robbie Hooker comes in and he's able to do a brilliant job, 
you guys have seen on this podcast, I am always happy to be proven wrong. Uh, Matt, you may know a little bit about that, of course, but um, we'll move on from that. Another couple of headlines as well, just some quick ones. Uh, Melbourne Victory um, exhausting their general admission allocation for their opener against Brisbane Royal. Massive news in terms of building on from the hype of the World Cup, which we spoke about on the last episode. Matt, a quick question for you on this one. Melbourne Victory have obviously made these games free for um, people, well, free for general admission tickets. Right move or wrong move? I, I think I think it's the right move, but I don't want to say it's something that you know we 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 want to be able to prove how much of a product is that we're able to sort of monetize this stuff and not give it such a, a token approach. Um, you know, people people that like to be dismissive of the power of, of women's sport. Um, you know, the, the, the other sort of side of this is that, you know, you, you're sort of giving them fodder by proving that, you know, it's not worth, worth much of a price, monetarily speaking. But the other side of it, Cody, is everyone really positive, And that's that, you know, off the back of the Women's World Cup, let's get as many people viewing the local product as possible. And they've sort of gone and, gone and done that. Uh, and they deserve, deserve to do it. Um, a lot of those big name signings, we know that the F3 derby will be a really, really big occasion. We know that round one as a whole will have some incredible attendances that this competition has never seen before. So honestly, yeah, it's it's positive, um, but in some ways, I guess, you know, you've sort of got to ask the question of, you know, even if, even if you're putting a really, really cheap discounted price on it, uh, I don't know, but free admin for women's sport, you know, it's just one of those things that you kind of want to view a certain way and, and we, we know it's worth, we know it's worth more than that, I guess, as uh, as big fans of the, the dub ourselves. So no, you've hit the nail on the head, I think, a bit there. And, it's good to get people through the gates to start off with 100%. The problem is now, eventually you're going to have to start asking people to pay. And then how do you go from, oh, hey, we've had this really good free product that you guys have been able to enjoy. Now you guys have to pay for it and how that's received because that could end up being poison chalice in a way when you do start going to try and monetize it. It's like, okay, now we've got to ask people to pay for what once was a free service. And that's never usually a good business model. But alas, we move on. Adelaide. Bringing in some players since we last spoke, and we were a bit critical about the side that they'd put together. It did look a bit thin. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm apologizing for it, but maybe we did judge them a bit too soon, but that's what happens when we do split uh, pre-season episodes up like that. They've signed five players since we last recorded, not necessarily published. Uh, Rosetta Taylor, Sarah Morgan, Jenna Holtz, Marie Lee, Annabelle Haffenden, there's a chance they could do better. They definitely look a lot stronger. Uh, the squad looks a bit thicker now, which is only a positive for them. And there's quality in there. Um, another contributor of ours within Front Page Football, Antonis Pergonis, has um, liked the look of Sarah Morgan in particular in Priest, and he's been able to see a little bit of them. Um, definitely good signs over in South Australia. Will they make finals? Obviously, that's something that we'll be discussing towards the end of the episode. But now, the part that you guys have obviously tuned in for, season previews. Start with the seventh team alphabetically, Newcastle Jets. Now, notable signings, definitely Molina Ayres, massive get for them. One of the top strikers in the league on a day. It's just a matter of whether the Jets are able to keep her fit. But anyone that can answer the question of how do we keep Molina Ayres fit and playing every game in a 22-game season, whoever can do that is going to get an abundance of goals in return. And Libby Copas-Brown, uh, returning to the league from England, was last at the Wanderers. Definitely some good signings there. Uh, preseason now under Gary Van Egmond, who did come into the site, into the club halfway through. I say come into the club, he came more, not even in the team, like he was overseeing the women's program, but, well, obviously now he's the head coach, came into that role. Maybe it's probably the better word. 
halfway through last season. Now he's got a full preseason under his belt. Does anything change for you, Matt? Yeah, I guess Molina Reyes is a player in that Jets team that really sort of, you're not, listen, 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 Jets fans, you're not polishing a turd, but I think you're improving something. That, that, that phrase immediately went into my mind that I thought, oh, should I go there? But you, you're, you're improving upon a team where like they really need a player like that to be their focal point. And I think what Melina Ayers does is she, she, she could be there to make some really bad days seem okay. Like the, the, the performances where, you know, Melbourne City or Sydney FC is kind of ripping through you and you're able to just sort of peg back a few goals and, and make it look all right, you know, for a, a 5-2 result or something like that. That's where the value of a Molina Reyes actually really comes in. Um, because we're talking about a team here that obviously, you know, I don't think they're going to be in finals contention. I think they're just a bit too weak. Um, but I think the biggest thing with, with Newcastle, when I look at the players who, you know, have sort of stuck around the, the club and, and been there, um, you know, certainly last season through, through some, some difficult times. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of players like Tessa Tamplin, who've been around a long time, or someone like Lauren Allen, where I think the biggest thing is just consistency. Um, and I know that that can, that can be a bit of a vague term, but I think, you know, when, when their, their ceiling is pretty well defined, they just need to be able to spring the, the good days together. And, and Melina Rands can certainly add to that, right? So yeah, I think. We're, we're, we're talking about a team here where they can s- probably spring a surprise in at times where last season they really couldn't. It was obvious when they were going to be well and truly routinely beat. Um, but other than that, have they improved immensely? Not really. Is there excitement within the program? Not really. Is Gary Van Egmond going to be a super coach that's going to pull off like a Leicester City type upset? Of course he isn't, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, look, look, let's not be too harsh on them. Um, but let's understand that, that they have, you know, done some good recruitment here and there, and they, they have a very, very extra, uh, exciting forward to, uh, to bolster the team. You mentioned, uh, Leicester, their women's team is actually top of the league at the moment, which has taken a lot of people by surprise. Just thought I'd throw that in there quickly. Uh, if, yeah, if there's yeah, one yeah, compliment I, mean, I, I can... was referring to 15, 16, but. Oh, yeah, I know that's what you're referring to. That's why I thought, oh, yeah, I might as well bring up who's top of the league in the WSL now, because if they win that, you're basically oh, looking it, at something it, it, it the same. It both ways, didn't it? So it was good. <laughs> <laughs> you're done well there, Matt. You're done well. But, um, you're done well, Matthew, actually. I'll go with that one. But, um, if there's one compliment I can give to the league as a whole, and I know we used the term polishing turd a little bit last season, sometimes maybe unfairly, sometimes maybe fairly. Depends how you look at it. Depends how harsh you want to be. Sometimes we don't like to mean so well, it's words. If there's one compliment I can give to this league, I don't see a turd anywhere. If you know what I mean, I don't think there's anyone that looks really, really horrible. And Jets, look, they're someone that I probably see finishing towards the lower end of the table. But when you bring in someone like Molina Ayers, it's obviously an actual goal scorer there. you still got Lauren Allen from last season, who was a great player going forward. Someone who could probably compliment Molina Ayers and still give her that service that she does require to do her thing. There's definitely potential there. There's a, there's a way for them to sneak themselves up the, up the ladder. I do agree with you in the sense that I don't think they're good enough to make the six. I'd say their ceiling it probably is close to seventh or eighth. But one thing I want to put to you, and this is just a rumor that I heard very, very quickly or saw very, very quickly on Twitter. Apparently, uh, Emily Van Egmont is toying with the idea of coming to Jets on a guest in. Obviously, it won't change their season if she's only here for two or three games in a 22-game season. But for that period and maybe for what happens afterwards, could that have a positive impact on the club? 
That's, that's awesome. That, that is awesome. It, it, what you're doing is you're getting that Matilda's effect. You're getting her to literally play under her dad, which just warms my heart. Like, at her age, to be playing under her dad is just so freaking awesome. Um, and you're actually just going to bolster, like, a camp and a squad that really needs someone like that to just come in and, and point them in the right direction. You know, I, I think about the effect that being a leader and a natural-born leader in a sporting environment, in any type of working environment, when you can just have someone like that who can have that effect on you as an individual, it's a it's a huge thing. If Emily, if if this comes to fruition and she's only here for three games, those three games we're going to see players step up to another level. We're going to see, you know, hopefully a really big, healthy crowd with the local, uh, you know, Matilda's girl coming in for for these big games. I mean, yeah, the prospect of it is is actually very very exciting. And just to to go back on what I said before. Another big thing with sort of the players that would stick around, like your Tessas and, and people like Lauren Allen, right? So they've, they've recently had Tara Andrews uh, sort of leave the team. Someone like Kirsty Fenton, who you ask anyone in Newcastle circles who loves women's football, they just love Kirsty Fenton so, so much. And someone like that being away from the team playing, playing for Sydney, right? You're sort of taking the heart away from the Newcastle Jets women's program, and it's not a very decorated program to, to begin with, right? So... You add someone like Emily Van Egmond in, and it's very, very exciting, and you're very, very uh, prepared to see that team play at another level and sort of step up from that sort of level that we're talking about, right, where they, they need those improvements and they're not very exciting. So that's huge, Cody. No, of course. And one thing you said there about the standards lifting for, say, a three-game stint that she's in, if she does her job well enough and really makes her mark on that squad and on the players just as aren't professionals as well, Who's to say that that standard can't be maintained for at least another five or six games after that? Suddenly, there's 18 points up for grabs there if you're able to get 12 or 13 of them. In that one period, combined with what you can get for the rest of the competition, maybe you're starting to push for finals. Maybe your ceiling's increasing a little bit. But obviously, look, I'm not going to judge their ceiling now based on a hypothetical, but it's exciting. And look, if she is able to come in, like you said, it's a massive thing for the club. It's a massive thing for the region, for football in the region. It is only a net positive, but look, we've spoken a bit about where their ceiling is there or thereabouts, even with hypotheticals included. The floor. Unfortunately, the floor is still quite low for them. They're, they are a side that you can see kind of getting that wooden spoon and almost quite easily if things don't go well. I think it's interesting in that um, I don't think we're going to have any teams. I'll just first to say this with some of the lack of quality that's sort of seen in the bottom end of uh, the dub at the moment, I don't think we'll see anyone embarrassed like we did with the Wanderers last season. Um, and even then, they recovered They recovered spectacularly, spectacularly well. To well the point I finished where, seventh, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I mean, we're going to avoid that. And I, I think with Newcastle, to say that they're going to be shambolic, uh, I, don't think the, I don't think it'll get that bad. I don't think it'll get that bad. But obviously, they are a spring contender. Uh, contender. <laughs> in inverted commas. Um, so... Yeah, look, I, I think that there'll be there'll be enough to get excited about um, in terms of just sort of seeing a, a lower end team play some good football at times, and especially like 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 we said, Molina Reyes leading that line, um, they'll, they'll be all right. Well, look, we'll move on to your neck of the woods, Matt. Perth Glory, obviously one that you do have a bit of expertise in. Obviously, watched a lot of them last season. Well-rounded squad, at least in my opinion. A lot of good uh, ins and a lot of their business done very early, which is something that I do like from Perth Glory, especially with the women's. They do prioritise making sure that squad is put together well before pre-season starts and they make sure the fans and anyone invested in the club or in the media 
is aware of who's actually going to be playing in that team for a coming season, which is great. Makes our job a hell of a lot easier because I'm able to pick the 18 players that are going to be playing for Perth Glory in a given season. Look, one, how important is that just in terms of building a potentially successful side? And two, the the actual makeup of the team. What are your what's your thoughts on it? No, I, I mean I, I like it because when when the rebuild happened after twenty twenty one, the one thing that Glory needed to do that they're struggling so much to do on the men's side right now, uh, to the detriment of a lot of people in the community here in WA, is that they just needed a side that could just sort of make sure that they were comfortably a mid table squad and that they could they could be a very very exciting team at times. You know, the last two or three seasons. We've comfortably got that at, at Perth. Um, and now the big question becomes, how do you, how do you sort of go beyond that and actually become a top four side? That's still the question that I don't think they'll be able to answer this season, but, but they can be very, very proud of the fact that they go to Melbourne, they go to Sydney, you know, they, they, they fight the big three. Cody, that, that, that's a team that can actually like get a good result on their day. You think of when they went away to Ballarat and comfortably beat Western United. Like this is a team that can, that can do that. And when you think about, the fact that, that, that there actually was quite a bit of rotation in the squad as well. You had the departure of a really, really um, beloved figure like Kim Carroll, who's no longer playing her football. You know, it, it could have got bad, but it, it just didn't. They 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 recruited well. They've uh, they've got consistency with the leaders who were there to stick around. They've got a, a changing room where you know it's very very wholesome, and there's a lot of really good vibes in there. Um, Alex Aparkas wants to to stay around. He's loving his time in WA. So. I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm very, very optimistic that uh, that this is a team that can comfortably slot into to fifth or sixth. Do so you think comfortably they could hit that that kind of low final spot? Where where would you say the ceiling is? Sorry, sorry. The uh, the WA bias is really coming in here, but dare I dare I say that they can knock on the door for four. Look, I see their ceiling as kind of that low final series. I wouldn't say that's where they're going to finish comfortably. And it does come down to maybe, in a sense, just a competition that's around them. I think it'll be competitive, and trying to push into that top four is going to be really, really difficult. So that's probably what holds me back for them. Unfortunately, with how tight the league is, you probably need almost two or three really, really strong focal points to push yourself into that upper echelon of the league. That's what I'm saying, though. They can push there because, like I've said, we know that when a Perth team travels well away, they can be a really, really big force, and they can comfortably push themselves into a top six dynamic. Think of think of Kenny Lowe's sides in the past in the men's game, how they would go to Amy Park and comfortably, routinely win games two 0 Um, that's that's the kind of dynamic we're talking about here. If if these girls can travel well, um, and uh, you know, given given that the foreign influence that's there. Um, you know, they're, they're probably going to be well conditioned to, to playing summer football. I mean, Millie, Millie seems really down for the challenge as, as the, the odd one out from England. But there's a, there's a squad there that I just, I get the feeling that you're going to be looking at a surprise win away, whether it's to Western, whether it's to Sydney, whether it's to Victory or City. I, I don't know, but I just feel like they've got that, they've got that fight in them. They've got that dog in them. And that's why I just think that they actually are quite comfortably heading, heading for the finals. But, Look, my bias is, I'll be honest with you, a lot of it is my bias that, that's, that's coming into effect here. So you have to, you have to pull me down and, and, and really just sort of, yeah, I, I don't know, Cody. Like, I just, I'm weirdly very confident. No, look, fair enough. There's, there's quality there. I wouldn't say that they're going to struggle to make finals. I think that'd be very disrespectful of the side and what they've been able to build. And like you said, this should be the season, especially with an expanded final series where they are able to push into those spots. And arguably that should be their aim. I don't know if they'll 100% do it. I think I'd argue they might be 
either just missing out, but they definitely won't be far off. They'll be up there in the mix there or thereabouts. There's a good quality side there. Got a good quality coach in the Parkers as well. There's a lot going right for them. It's just a matter of my probably biggest concern would be whether that focal point of the side is there. And you never know, someone could step up and really be a big name in the league coming into this season. Someone like Millie Farry, you mentioned from England. Look, there's, there's players there that could score your goals. There's players there that could really drive this team forward. It's just a matter of whether they can step up to the other clubs in, say, like a Canberra United where you've got Heyman, Rojas, Milivojevic. That's probably where your competition is. But we'll move on from them. The heavy hitters of the league. Sydney FC. Still somehow, even with the players that they've lost, look like on paper they've maybe arguably now, but still you can put a case that that's the best squad in the league. Uh, Tori Toome is coming in at the back, probably the most notable um, in in that area. Not too many players joining them in the middle of the park, but Taylor Ray coming back from injury is obviously a massive, massive inclusion. But then Shea Connors and Fiona Watt up top, and obviously Courtney Vine staying at the club. Even Jada Wyman, you could argue, could be good enough to go and make that move overseas, but she's managed to stay in the league. There's still so much quality in this side, and still your backups are all basically teenagers or 20s, under 20s, from that under 20s World Cup, basically. And they're still just basically the best young players in the country. There's players that you can argue that are going to push for their starting spots. Uh, the biggest one for me is probably Sienna Saveska, uh, someone who's been given the number 10 jersey after maybe playing a bit part role at the Wanderers. So that's a lot of faith that Sydney FC are putting in her, just a show of faith to say, you're going to take the most important number in football and you're going to go and do your thing this season. That's massive. All over the park, I'm just sitting here licking my lips. They are, they are a delicious, delicious team, uh, Cody. It's, it's, it's pretty impactful that, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, someone like a Kirsty Fenton playing her football in Sydney that, uh, that you wouldn't want to sort of move on to another club and maybe try and be a bit more prominent. You would want to be a part of a really big winning culture at Sydney. Uh, and with, with the quality names that, that you could roll off, I, I, what gets me with this, with this setup, uh, 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 Sydney with the, with their women's football is, is that everyone who just like, you don't actually have to be the biggest cog in the wheel, but you're someone who just wants to stick around and, and be a part of that really, um, important, you know, winning, winning culture and, and just the vibe of the place. Um, because someone like Fiona Wards, you know, maybe she's, she's better off playing a football at Adelaide where she can be the, the, the focal point, but she, she wants to be a part of, of being, being something bigger, you know, being, being a, a smaller fish in a bigger pond almost, right? Um, and the names that you can roll off here, it, it is scary. You know, someone like Shay Connors being in the same team as Courtney Vine, as Nat Tobin, as, as, you know, <laughs> just like it, it, it just keeps going. Um, and, uh, you know, someone like Wyman, Wyman in there as well, where, Maybe, maybe she can, uh, make the move, but you're, you're wanting to stick around because you know the team will have success because you know you're going to be surrounded by people that you really love and respect. And yeah, it's just, it's very, very exciting. And I don't think there's, there's a lot that we can say is wrong. Um, I think they're a fire team. I think they, they can pretty safely expect a premiership to, to, to come their way. Um, you know, given, given that, I guess with, with the other teams, you know, we've, we've spoken with Melbourne City where, there's just maybe a, a little bit of depth where we can so comfortably say the other thing. 
Um, and, and just so comfortably be there to say that it's a team that, that will have that winning culture in the same way, just because there's a bit of an unknown quantity, especially if they get plagued by, by injuries or something like that. Whereas with Sydney, I think there's enough younger talent and uh, enough depth there to the point where, like, you'd even have to say if, if things go slightly wrong, um, they're going to be able to back that up in a big way. They're going to be able to be a really, really strong team on their day. And, and I think for me, they're actually probably a clearly defined premier, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm overreacting. What do you think? No, I don't think overacting at all. It's still arguably the most quality side on paper. And you mentioned Fiona Watts in there, just she could be a star at Adelaide, but she's coming into the Sydney FC side where arguably she's probably going to have to fight for a starting spot. Everything that from Sydney FC's off-season business to me pointed to a change in formation. I thought that would be lining up with a 4-4-2 this year, but from what I've heard in preseason, it's been Fiona Watts actually coming into the game off the bench and they've actually gone for a midfield three. So you're looking at a midfield, a very, very young midfield three of either, um, Shay Holman or Taylor Ray is a six. Whoever isn't out the starting six would more like, more than likely be the eight. And then Indiana dos Santos or Siena Savesca may be starting in that 10 role, which very young midfield still quite balanced and could still be very good. And then you're looking at your forward options and it's almost going to be a similar fashion to, uh, the 2021, 22 season when they had Remy Simpson starting up top and were able to bring Marie Rojas off the bench. Now you're going to have Shea Connors up top, who, with the service that Abini and Courtney Vine can provide, you can guarantee she's going to score a lot of goals this year. And then when she gets tired and defenders are like, oh, okay, yep, she's coming off. We've got a break. Then you see Fiona, Fiona Watts come into the fold and it's just like, oh my God, how, when, when do we get a break? It's- another part of that, another part of that is you mentioned so the Santos being in, in uh, starting lineup. They can afford to take that risk. They've got that much quality and that much depth, but they can they they can afford to just be like, hey, we know that DeSantos is a really hot, uh, you know, up and coming talent. Let's just let's just plug her into the team and give her the game experience, right? And it's like, well, she's got the quality around her. Where even if she's maybe not up to scratch straight away, she'll develop very quickly because she's got to rise to the standards of those players around her. And even if she's underperforming here or there, she's got the other players there to make up for it. And most teams, most teams just would not be able to afford to do that. Um, so that's the caliber of squad that we're talking about. And it's a very exciting prospect. Obviously, this is a clear favorite for the premierships. How low can this team go? Like, if things go really, really, really shit, like, what is a shit season for Sydney FC? What does that look like? I don't know, like fourth? <laughs> I don't, honestly, I'd argue if they, if they come lower than second, that's disastrous. Yeah. Like, considering the history around the side and considering how good this team is, anything lower than second would be really bad. And we, that's, we, yeah, yeah, okay. But we're, we're just talking about the league finish there. I mean, what they could do to really, really mess things up reputation wise is choking the finals again. Um, and I think that they miss out where, on the grand final. Hey, if they miss out on a grand final yeah, yeah, altogether. Exactly, exactly. And that's where you're actually sort of, uh, really, really tarnishing what we're talking about. If they have a season where, let's say, Cody, they only lose like one or two games, right? Because they've just been stringing the consistency together that well. They've done, they've done well, you know, traveling outside of Sydney. And then they go into a semi-final performance and where, you know, they, they just get outsmarted and, and completely kind of, uh, failed to deliver on that promise. I mean, that, that for me is like more disastrous than anything because all it does is strip away and eat away at all the good progress that they've made, building that culture, having that depth, all of the signings and, I'd almost not want to see that happen. Like, I know, I know it wouldn't be fun to see Sydney completely walk away with the competition. And to be fair, I don't think they'll, I don't think it'll be that bad, but you wouldn't want to see them have an all time season 
where it it falls apart. Uh, I think I think we've had a bit too much of that go on in the women's game, where the finals really have dictated a lot of the league standings, and um, it can be really fun, and and we like it in Australian football. It is how we prefer, prefer to, to sort of play the game and have the season play out, but it's actually kind of overwhelming just how many surprises we've had in finals in in the women's game. Well, look, lining up with a sixteen competition, same way the men's do as well, it probably reduces that the scope for that to happen where you will I'm assuming they're gonna have the two legged semis playoffs. So you'd argue the best team is going to end up coming out on top, whether that be the team that comes fourth, whether that be the team that comes first, we don't know. But if you're winning over 180 minutes, odds are you are the better team and you're the team that deserves to be in finals. But if they do go the whole season, only lose one or two games and then get knocked down the semis, I'd argue that doesn't do anything to their reputation purely because you can just look at it as Maybe a bit of poor luck over a couple of games, but look enough about that. Obviously, Sydney FC, we do assume they're going to be, odds are they're going to end up winning the title, and we'll go through a lot of predictions at the end, but that's almost a given for anyone predicting an A-League women's season, basically. I'm going to break up the previews for a bit, because I do want to try something different. I'm going to introduce something new, and it's where I'm going to put a bit of trivia to Matt Olsen. Just to test his A-League women's knowledge. I just want to see how it goes. And there might be times where he does the same for me. We'll work out how it goes. We'll see what the reception's like. But <laughs> nice look that he's giving me now. But just to basically just see and show you guys that we do kind of know what we're talking about, even off the top of my head. Now, Matt has no idea what I'm going to ask him, which is how it should be. I want to see how he guesses. It is, look, it's not, if you get this, I would be a little bit surprised. I'd be disappointed if you're well off. But we'll see how it goes. Excluding Australian and New Zealand players and anyone that is technically Australian or Kiwi, how many nations are represented in the league this season? <laughs> oh wow! Um, I don't, I don't think I've got that good of an idea. Um, I don't, I don't, I want to look. Well, I'm happy to make a multiple choice if you want. Like I'll give you a few, I'll give you a few options, and you can guess think, what it looks I think right. For, for, from a podcasting perspective, that goes down a lot better because then I'm I'm given some sort of an idea, and I can uh, not fill this uh, conversation with a lot of ums and ahs. And no, that. no, no. I, I I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Look, we'll go A five, B seven, C eleven. It's not. It's not five. That seems way too low. Seven. No. Seven also implies that, like, a lot of the signings were exclusively going to, like, England. We talk about, you know, we've actually yet to mention it, but the influence of, of a country like the Philippines on our football as of late. Um, is seven really on the mark? Because even that seems pretty low. But I, I can't think, I honestly cannot think of that many countries that, that have players in the league. I can think of, of somewhere like Serbia with Milivojevic, for example, right? So, like, and, and there's, there might be like a Swiss signing about somewhere, someone playing under the Swiss. With the, Ser- with the Serbian players, obviously I said anyone that is Australian as well. Both Serbians in the league, uh, or both Serbian representatives in the okay, league okay. are technically okay. Australian. Right, right. Well, seven, seven sounds on the mark then, right? Is it seven? It's 11. Is it, is it really that high? It's 11. So, a run lowest to highest. We've got yeah, yeah. a lot of them that just only have basically one player. There's one player from the Netherlands, Mariska Walters. Uh, Denmark, we've got Holgerson at Brisbane Raw. Uh, Chile Marie Rojas technically is an Australian citizen yet, so 
that um chili is counted in that. No, no, no. You're blurring the lines here. I don't like. Oh no, no, no. Well, hey, I'm just going off what I could find. Basically, okay. we've got um a uh, Chinese player at the Mariners, a uh, Swiss, like you said, uh, Lorena Bowman at Newcastle Jets, and if you ask A-League Fantasy, there's actually two Lorena Bowmans in that team. Um, check that podcast out for the full explanation because that is a little bit wild and that actually sounds a little bit amateur right now. Yeah. Um, and even a Venezuelan at Wellington Phoenix in um, Speckmeyer. Then you've got uh, three Philippines players, like you mentioned before. We've got that influence coming in. Two from Canada, both goalkeepers actually, which I thought was a little bit interesting. Three from Japan, three from England, and 20 from USA. Yeah, well. Something that I thought of today, something that I thought, you know, it might be just be a little bit interesting. I thought I'd test you a little bit. What, and what it does, what it does highlight is that there are a lot of oddball players out there that, like, for me, it seems like the, like, female scouting has really improved. Um, cause I would have thought it was quite a close shop. And there certainly were years where it was like, we're exclusively going to grab the token American and put them in the team, right? So yeah, but what it, what it also highlights to me is that the women's game has, has really come a long way. Um, that we're able to look at, at such a diverse range of, of, uh, of talent. I mean, Venezuelan playing for the Phoenix, uh, for example. Yeah. And, uh, current and, uh, international as well. Yeah. And, and a, a Swiss, uh, Swiss player playing for the Jets. I mean, that, that stuff would have been unthought un- of uh, years ago. And, and that just makes me wonder, um, has the international reputation of, of the yeah, league women actually really been enhanced? I, I don't know. It could have been. Oh, one thing about the USA, actually, you say everyone has their token American. There is only, one team in the league that doesn't have an American on their books this season. It's actually Perth Glory. Yeah. And when you think about the fact that Riley and, uh, and Gabrielle were such big influence on the Glory team last year, that's, 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 yeah. Fiero Hinson as well. There is two Filipino players who Hinson could be born in America. <laughs> I'm not too sure, but look, that tends to be the case of the Filipino players. The best mm. ones are, well, the, the national team does end up being those players that are more come from that Filipino heritage, which, look, doesn't make them any less Filipino than anyone else, but it does mean they have access to a lot more resources than those that do grow up in the Philippines. We'll get back into it, and we'll move on to, as we actually just mentioned, Wellington Phoenix, one of their main signings being uh, Speckmeyer from Venezuela. I look at this side on paper, a lot more of a Kiwi influence, which should be the case considering they are a New Zealand club. A uh, player that I think could really make their mark on this team is Kelly Brown, someone who had a fantastic season in the NPL New South Wales and could be that answer to them just getting some goals on the board because, at least for me, that's an area I think they've struggled with in recent years. Yeah, I guess for me, when I think about sort of the, the backbone and the experienced players, because like my analysis for all these teams really just starts with who makes it pop, who who is the player that really brings it together. I think about the rise of someone like uh, Grace Wineski, uh, you know, Alyssa Wynum, uh, Longo as well, who's, who played for the football ferns during the World Cup. I think about the fact that sort of someone like uh, Grace Jarley, who's a New Zealand international, was at Canberra, has decided to move to Perth of all places and not come to the Phoenix. Um, and, uh, you know, someone like Hannah Wilkinson, who can score goals for fun in Melbourne City. And I, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, have they maximized the ability to be New Zealand's team as much as they could? And they're getting there in terms of the mentality. But I just don't actually think they have a lot in the squad that is very exciting. Um, and with the visa signings as well, I think they're just a bit too much of an unknown quality. They could be very, very good players on their day, but they are just a bit too much of an unknown quantity. And the other thing I would say is with the younger players that they have, I know that someone like Millie Clegg, for example, has also left the club. 
In terms of the, uh, and you know, we were talking about Izzy Gomez being such a focal point for the Mariners as well. In terms of the really young talent that has made the Phoenix pop in previous seasons, um, I just feel like they're actually missing a bit of that edge. Like in terms of like what what you tune into a Wellington Phoenix women's game for to get yourself excited about, I feel like it's not not there anymore. Am I being harsh? A little bit, I think. Like, look, you, you talk about those quality young players. Grace Wisniewski's still there. Alyssa Wyndham's still there. Kelly Brown's now come back into the club. There's still a lot there to be excited about, I think. I'd argue they're shaped up better than recent years. I have said that the quality probably has increased, especially at that bottom end of the table, a little bit more over the off-season. So it probably will be a little bit harder to push up than just simply improving the squad yourself. You've got to then make sure you're still staying ahead of everyone else. But I think there's enough about them to possibly... And look, it's a very low bar, unfortunately. But I think there's enough about them to not get the wooden spoon this year. Yeah, I think I think they'll have quite a competitive battle with the likes of the Jets, uh, with the Wanderers. You know, if, if Adelaide's season derails enough, but honestly, like I don't, I don't, I don't think it's it's that bad. And and like they've stabilised things as a club, but I just think that their initial sort of vibe as a club is is well missing a bit. Although on their culture, I'll just say the fact that that Lily Elfeld's been able to keep her influence, you know, despite her horrible sort of injury problems that she's had. She's going to be playing an advisory role, I believe, for for the squad, uh, and that is awesome. We need to see more of that. We need to see more of that sort of, uh, you know, one club uh, sort of mentality. Um, obviously, Lily Elfell played for other clubs, but what I mean by that is she was obviously there at the formation she played in the first game, and she's going to stick around as a bit of a senior figure, although the fact that she can't play a football, um, and so that is stuff like that is nice to see. But I, I still think that they started out as this sort of let's build a really young team and be a young team first and foremost, and how that that has already sort of been stripped away. Um, and I do wonder where that stems from and what their end goal is now. Um, but like I said, I guess yeah. They, they, to, to go back to your point, sorry there, Cody. Um, they'll they'll be exciting enough. They'll they'll play better football, and um, they should have a bit of a good fight there at, at the bottom end of the table. See, you talk about them stripping away that. Oh, we're going to focus on our youth development. I'd argue they kind of need to do that. They they started that. They did that at the at their start of the club's history because they were one based in New South Wales. They were basically just trying to scrape a team together. It's like okay, yeah, if we're going to just basically throw a bunch of players together and see what we can do, we might as well develop some talent while we're at it. And I respect that for them. But they're hitting a point where they've also got to make sure they're starting to be a competitive team. So you can't just sit there and focus on making sure we're just going to be a youth development team for forever. We maybe harshly described them last year as a glorified youth academy. And, you know, they've got to pull away from that uh, eventually. And this could be the season where they do it. The players are a little bit older. Those ones that did start while they were quite young have now matured a little bit. You look at your Kate Taylors, your Mackenzie Barrys, they've really grown with this team. Kate Taylor actually is an interesting one. Uh, apparently in preseason, she's been pushed a bit further forward, playing as more of a six instead of at centre-back. Um, Mackenzie Barry and Marissa Vendemir look like they're going to be the out-and-out starting centre-back partnership this season. So, a bit interesting from Temp there, but there's a lot to like about this team. I think they're, they're making the changes that they need to, and it may not be the Phoenix that we're used to, but that could also be positive as well. But I think their ceiling, their ceiling could probably be maybe that ninth, eighth mark. It's the same as Jets. I don't think they're good enough to get into the final series, unfortunately, but there's a side there that I think there is a lot to like about still. Obviously, if things don't go well, Wooden Spoon will be again for three years in a row, and look, for there's a lot of good people following this um this team as well, and they don't deserve three wooden spoons in a row. So it is nice to see the club at least show a bit of ambition there in terms of okay, 
we're not just going to be this hub for trying to develop talent anymore. We're actually going to look to put, you know, we're going to keep those qualities that we, we do want to try and develop talent in here and make sure we're putting on for young New Zealand footballers, but we're going to do it while also trying to be a competitive team. And that's an important step they've got to make. Yeah, I guess it always just boils down to, um, much like the next club we're about to talk to as well, there's enough quality names in there for them to be an exciting prospect and for them to be a team that you you want to watch. But I just think that the in, the intent around that is something different. And the problem with it is that you're, you've got exciting players, but you've not built enough of a team for you to really you know be that exciting, pulsating team week in, week out. And, and by the way, just on this, because I know I've had controversy with comments I've made about the things before. Um, I'm happy to be proven wrong. So I don't, I, I'm not the person and, and you go back and you actually sort of read my history in the time that I've been a journalist, right? Uh, in the, in, especially in the Oz football circles. I've actually always like had a love and admire and respect for New Zealand football more than most people in our community do. And the fact that, you know, where we're going through a period where there's a lot of negative things to say purely, purely from an on-field perspective about both the men's and the women's program, I guess for me, like that, that just ends up being a coincidence because I'm more than anything, especially this team, knowing what they can do for women's football in a country like New Zealand. Um, you know, I want to see them succeed. I, I really do have that, that love and respect for them, but I just think they miss the mark. And, and that's, that's all it is. I'm not saying that they're going, that they're, you know, really a really bad team and they're going to comfortably get the spinner in there. Like, far from it, far from it. But they are missing that edge. And that's something that you just sort of have to accept. It's not even just New Zealand football. I don't think I've ever seen anyone so invested in the Oceanian Nations Cup when that comes around. So there's there's definitely love for that part of the world from you. And uh, anyone that says otherwise just purely doesn't know you as a person. And I'm always going to back you up on that, Matt. You did mention another club there that is probably missing that quality to push for the top six, the Wanderers. Now, one thing that I have liked about their offseason up until they did make a coaching change that they did, um, a lot of young talent coming in and some it, some very, very interesting names, a very different approach to what maybe we've seen from them in recent years where they have tried to be this club that like, yeah, we're going to get decent senior players in and we're just going to see what we can do. It hasn't really worked out well for them. They had a lot of good players. They had a good squad last year, but aside that just really couldn't click. And maybe towards the end of the year, you could, uh, uh, well, end of the season, sorry, you could argue they were starting to click a little bit. Now they've basically back to square one with a new coach. Players like, you know, Talia Yunus coming up from the men's youth team playing in that program for a couple, I think a couple of years now at the very least, definitely throughout 2023, but playing in their 15, 16 teams, maybe even 14s as well, depending on her age. I can't think of it off the top of my head. They're coming through that development pathway instead of, you know, going through the MPLs in the women's side, playing the top division MPL at 15 and then getting an A-League call-up. She's already been in that A-League setup. It's someone that the club's really worked with trying to develop, but instead of that going to the men's program, she can now shift to the women's program at a very young age. Something different. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it's it's actually a very similar line of conversation. Um, they're upsides. Um, you can really see who the star players are, but they obviously just, they like the depth, they like the talent, so on and so forth, and they're going to spend a season probably bottom three, bottom four. Um, but the one thing that we learned from last season, this applies to the Phoenix as well, it applies to the Jets, it applies to all the other teams that we've had these sort of negative comments about. You know, they can prove us wrong. They they can prove us wrong and they can have really, really good unexpected form, especially when unknown quantities step up and play incredible. Um, you know, I think of the rise of Serena Bolden, a woman that has now scored at a FIFA World Cup and won her single-handedly sort of 
ended up winning her team a, a match at the FIFA World Cup. Um, you know, when, when she sort of came in to the Wanderers at the back end of the last season and started playing really, 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 really well, that was a testament to the program for just being able to pick someone out, you know, and, and, and to be able to give that opportunity and for that opportunity to pay off in a really big way. So for all the really sort of negative hullabaloo, and again, we, we talk a lot about sort of what might be going on behind the scenes at a club like the Wanderers, they can still always bring a rabbit out of the hat and, and all of these clubs will be capable of that. The Wanderers more so than, than any, they might be. Uh, the oddity of it all in that they are actually able to make a good side of players that we just don't know enough about. So, yeah, there's always going to be an upside, and I, I wouldn't want to dismiss them too quickly, but let's also not sort of mistake up something that it isn't. This is ultimately a bad football team and, and one that will be sort of playing, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of games, you know, catching up and, and they could be, they could be pretty badly slaughtered at times, um, against, you know, Sydney FCs and the, the victories. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is, but yeah, um, you know the wonders are the wonders are a, a package where I think they're pretty easily defined. Uh, a couple other young players I should mention in there: Iskia Brooking from Perth, uh, from Perth. Sorry, I was about to say Perth Glory. Fourteen years old. That is a nut signing to be bringing halfway across the country, but someone who does offer a lot of quality. India Bryce, well from Macarthur Rams. There is a bit of a Macarthur Rams flavor in in this side. Um, Melissa Caceres, Bethany Gordon, uh, Maddie McComiskey, I do believe as well. Amongst a few others that are just coming to my head at the minute, coming from that NPL side who did win the grand final this year in the NPL Women's New South Wales. So look, there's, I still think there's a bones of a team that can be quite good. My biggest concern now is this decision to change coaches basically on the, on the eve of the season starting. I understand if maybe that you didn't believe that Cat was the right person to move forward, but why make this decision now? That's, and look, we can't really read into it too much. We don't know if something's happened behind, behind closed doors, like you said at the start of the podcast, but it's going to have a negative effect on the team. And it's going to have a negative effect on how people view the team because you've gotten rid of a coach that really was building something that built this team in the off season. And now 10 days before you're going up, we're going to go with this guy instead. What faith does that say that you have in having a successful season? What message does that say in saying, Hey, we want you to come and watch this team, but we actually don't know if we like what's here as well because he made this change right on the start of the season. I don't know. What effect do you think this has on the side going to this season? You're already pretty down about them, but does that just make things even worse? I don't want to over-exaggerate and say that it's like a disaster and they're falling apart because the reality of the situation is like it's it, that's not what's going on. Um, but like I said, I think the biggest thing for me is what it doesn't do is it just it doesn't ensure that consistency. And with a club like the Jets, even with clubs that are trying to sort of build themselves up, you take Perth, for example, that, that I sort of commented about them trying to actually try and build build up and become a forces club. Consistency is key. You, you just, you need consistency and that's being stripped away. So we, we, it's not necessarily that we have a team that's falling apart. We have one that can't build itself up. Does that, does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. I think that's probably the best way to say it. One thing that I did like about the Wanderers actually heading to this season that I hadn't mentioned yet was the fact that players like Beth Gordon, Amy Harrison, Melissa Casero, Sophie Harding, players that you can build an A-League side around if you just add a few more quality players in there. But you had the bare bones of a side that really could build on what they did last year, and if they build any more, you're looking at making finals. Look, uh, Robbie Hooker could come in and be this really successful coach and blow all of us away and really take us by surprise. I think that'd be a great thing to see if if... The club's taking this risk and it pays off. It's only credit to the decision makers behind it, but it's a massive risk. And if it pays off, it's not just about having an unsuccessful season, but you also ruin the image of the club in the public eye. And I think that's not 
a risk that the Wanderers really should be taking. Uh, look, we'll move on. Final club, West United now. Fairy tale run they had last season. Managed to keep a lot of that side together. Probably the most notable out for me. Obviously, from Jess McDonald, who was only there on a guest in anyway. Probably Sydney Cummings, um, someone who I thought was a very, very good centre-back. But you've still got a partner there in Alana Cern. Hilary Bill as well doesn't look like she's returning, but it opens the door for Alyssa Deloste to come in and really make a name for herself and someone who I really think will make a name for herself. Uh, how do you like Western United going into this season? So obviously because of a lot of the hullabaloo that I went on about last season with the top four being a close shot, I am naturally very invested in this. <laughs> uh, because, because <laughs> are Western United like that elite club? I'm, I'm ready to say that, uh, the top three is, is, you know, the top three, the big three are the big three. Western are not a part of that. Um, and I think I've surmised that just by looking at the fact that last season probably is more on the side of, of, yeah, expansion side sort of fairy tale. Um, but also I just look at the squad and I just think they have the ingredients to be very good. They have the ingredients to be a top four club, but they, the consistency to be able to build that up. To go back on the, the sort of analogy in the theme of today's episode, um, I don't know that they've actually done that and built that correctly. I don't know if that's actually been the steps have been put in place for it to be like, yeah, now we know what we're going to get with Western United. And ultimately, when you when you can't assure something like that for for an organisation and one that the one that sort of prides itself on being, um, you know, quite a quite a heavily sort of invested in in women's football, Western United just, you know, I guess they they actually leave a little bit to be decided now. Mark DeCasso, uh, he's also taking the job with the Philippines national team. He'll have that Philippine influence uh, in the team with someone like Suweki. Um, and what you do get is you get consistency in terms of the players. You get consistency in terms of the Toronto sticking around. You add an experienced player like Grace Murray from Canberra. Alana Cern sticking around. Anna Keane sticking around. Chloe Legazzo is the linchpin in the, in, the, in the squad is sticking around. Catherine Zimmerman coming in as well. Thank you. Yep. But do we have a team, Cody, that is like creme de la creme good? Uh, top four, you know, certainties. No, we, we, we don't. Like, let, let's just be real about it. I don't think we have a team that is Melbourne Victory's level, that is Sydney FC's level, Melbourne City's level, so on and so forth. Even with uh, City's lack of depth, I still think you can comfortably know what you're going to get with City. Do we know, this is the question, Cody, do we know what we are going to get with Western United? See, I'd argue, in a sense, you do. They're going to play the same football they did last season. They'll be rigid at the back. They'll go forward very well. You've got someone like Hannah Keane who can score goals. My question would be, are they going to get found out? Looks like Sydney FC were able to nullify them pretty easily in the grand final last year, or last season, sorry. There's that an opportunity that club is going to go, okay, yep, we've played Western United enough now. We're not that far off them in terms of quality, but we also have the added bonus of we're aware of what we need to do to go into that game and get a result, whereas Western United may still have that mindset of we're one of the top teams in this competition. We should just be going out and winning these games. That may not be the case anymore, and I think that's probably where maybe tactically they get found out a little bit this season. That's what constitutes their downfall as well. Maybe not downfall in a because I still think this is a good team overall, but to perform at the same level they did last year might be a bit too much to ask. But in terms of how low they can go, look, I, don't, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if they fall out of the top four. I'd be surprised if they fell out of the final series altogether, but especially with it being a top six. Um, I, I think a, a Perth or an informed Canberra, 
dare I say it, the oddity of someone like Brisbane or an Adelaide really clicking into form. There are enough teams that can probably derail them um, and, and take them off that that fourth spot, as I alluded to with uh, with the rise of some, someone like Glory as well. So, yeah, but uh, are they a team that will miss the finals? That that probably is like the 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 very low floor of probably a seventh or an eighth. Which, Do you think they you can know, build on last season and win the league, but? I guess I guess that's that's the big Western United question, right? They're a big enough oddity and they're an exciting enough team to the point where, like, if if they were sitting top, like, if after three or four games they're undefeated, we'd go, you know what, they're just building off last season and it wouldn't be, like, mind-blowing. Uh, if they struggled to get on their feet and they were sitting seventh or eighth, we'd be saying the same thing. I think you're actually spot on. Yeah, I think, I think you're actually right about that. Um, well, there's a real wide scope that they could actually finish yeah, in this and I season. Think, it's I think it's interesting. Some- the wider scope of a comfortable finals team, and they have the wider scope of any team in the competition, just on that alone. No, look, fair enough. That's all the team's done. It's only taken two episodes and probably maybe 60 to 90 minutes. I don't actually keep track of how long we're recording for. I just get the shock when I have to edit at the end. But we'll move on to everyone's favourite part, or everyone's favourite part of a podcast in preseason. Predictions. A lot of predictions. We'll go spot by spot. Bottom to top. I'll start with my wooden spoon. Matt, I'll give you time to think as well, because I know you're still iffy about a few, um, where certain people are going to finish exactly. But look, 12th spot, it's someone we spoke about today. I do think it's going to be the Jets. Unfortunately, I don't think there's enough about them to really challenge a lot of teams this year. I do worry that Melina Ayres doesn't stay fit. And if that, you know, we talked about her being such a focal point. If she's not there to play and she's not there to score them goals, it's not like a Melbourne victory where they have other players that can come in and cover. I don't think that Newcastle Jets have that luxury. Phoenix. Phoenix, listen, 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 listen. <laughs> I am just a bit worried about the unknown quantities in that team. Now, with the Jets, I just think that there's a big enough punch there to the point where they can be winning games. We know who the experienced players are with uh, the Wanderers. And yeah, true. We know, we know where the experience comes from, especially, uh, someone like a Grace Wineski. But is it, is it a big enough name where you can sit there and go, yeah, you know what? Even when they're playing bad, she is someone that can, can lift them up and, and play really well. Can, uh, you know, can the other experienced players like a, someone like a Longo is both to sort of lead from the back? Can they, can they do that? And the I think they can. Maybe, yeah. 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 <laughs> but the fact that we need to ask the question. And the, the fact that that's a big enough of a doubt compared with Jets and Wanderers, where we already know who their quality players are and we know what their quality players are able to do consistently, that question, I, I'm, I'm going to put Wellington 12th and I'm going to regret it. And someone on Twitter, <laughs> someone on Twitter with NZ in their, in their little tag on Twitter is going to abuse me. Uh, and you know what? Fair enough. Fair enough because, because there's nothing better. Than a team that goes out and proves us wrong. We said it was doomsday for the Wanderers. They proceeded to then win games and be an attractive football team. I don't care if I'm proven wrong. Like if Phoenix end up like fifth or sixth, yeah, that's good. Yes, do that. Prove me wrong. You know what I mean? But for me, I just I'm I'm gonna put them last. I I just I see a lack of star power in 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 the team. Well, look, I've learned my lesson from. As you alluded to there, I think we've learned our lesson from really bashing the Wanderers because every time we do that, they seem to really pull out these fantastic results and make us look really, really stupid. Speaking of the Wanderers, that's who I have 11th. 
I think this coaching change really disrupts things. And unfortunately, I don't think there's a quality. Well, I wouldn't say the quality is not there to really push on in amongst that. But I think there's other sides that are shaped up to have really good seasons. And something like this, something like this could be a real point of difference for the Wanderers where that consistency that we were talking about that other clubs around them have slowly started to build. Wanderers have now kind of lost that. So, and also lost it so close to the start of the season where he doesn't have a preseason to really stamp his authority on this team. Not authority, but stamp his style and image on this team. Um, 11th, I, I have to go the Jets. Um, because again, we know where the focal points and, and the qualities are, but obviously, yeah, very, very weak squad. Um, one that will, will struggle to sort of build, build themselves up as time goes on. One that could be on the back of, of embarrassing defeats. I mean, we, we sort of know the story from there. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Let's let's go a bit more quick fire now, I think, Cody. Nah, I don't worry about quick fire. I don't want to explain it a little bit. But look, 10th, that's where I've got the Knicks. I think they do push up a little bit. They're a bit further away from that wooden spoon spot, which I think will fill fans with enough, enough confidence to go, yep, this is a side that's now in a building phase. We're no longer kind of the bottom of the barrel team in the league. We're now going to build up into something successful. I don't, like I said during the pod, I don't think they're at a level where they can push into the final series yet. They could arguably finish higher than this. I think this is a safe bet for them. But, and look, I think if they are finishing last, I'd be very disappointed in them. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's the Wanderers intense for me. Um, I don't actually think it's a massive surprise that we've got the same bottom three. Uh, I think those, those teams are well defined. It'll become a bit of a scrap for, for points at times. And for me, when I look at who has the best possible setup, to deliver and get those points at a crucial time in the season to avoid being at the bottom of the table. I think the Wonder is the best setup club for that. So I understand where you're coming from with the, the coaching situation and the mess there, but I just think the quality is there enough for them to bring, spring a surprise result or avoid total embarrassment um, where they're getting sort of consistent losses throughout the season. It's funny, I've got Phoenix above the Wanderers, but I'd still argue Wanderers' ceiling is... Just that little bit higher than Wellington, I guess. But look, in ninth, this is one that I actually had to think about a little bit, but I have gone with Adelaide. I think it's probably just a little bit too little too late in terms of what they have managed to bring in. It does make them look a little bit better. Up until maybe a couple of days ago, I probably would have had them even lower, which wouldn't have been good for Adelaide, especially how they did a couple of seasons ago where they really, even not just a couple of seasons ago, but the season before that as well, they looked like they were going to turn into this force in the A-League women's. But unfortunately... They've kind of fallen off since then, and I don't think that they're going to be coming back this season. Cody. Cody, we agree. <laughs> it's Adelaide or not. What? Uh, <laughs> we what? agree on something? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, it's, it's, it's Adelaide in ninth for the simple fact that I think you can see more quality in the eight teams above them, and you can actually very clearly define the quality. Are they terribly bad to the point where... You know, they're going to be, I mean, we, we, so we've said time and time again, they could get as bad as, as that bottom three, but there's still enough quality and, and still uh, good enough individuals and a big enough football culture in, in SA with the youth recruitment and, and things like that, where look, they, they should be good enough. And, um, yeah, but you know, they're not, they're not anywhere near as good as, as the other teams above them. And, and yeah, I think, um, I think that gap will be really, really hard to bridge because they've just sort of lost their way with the way that this off season has, has affected them and, and played out. And that's, that's a really big problem. Interestingly, I think this next one we're going to agree on as well. I hope so, at least. In eighth, I have the Mariners. I think 
it'll be a case of if you're talking about quality alone, they probably could finish a little bit higher. But uh, on the last episode, we spoke about them really needing this time to gel and probably just get used to playing with each other. I think a couple of their preseason results, you know, there was a couple wins in there, but they probably did still leave a little bit more to be desired. I think they'll they'll have a very slow start to the season, and that'll be what holds them back. They will finish quite well, but um, I think overall they just missed, maybe even just miss out on finals, but just miss out on finals in eight. I hate this because we don't actually agree. <laughs> so I'm um, sure you'd have eighth. Who do you have an eighth then? Brisbane. And Interesting. Again, I, 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 look. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just missing something, but I still, I don't, I don't see it. Like I, don't, I don't see it. I see the one or two sprinkles of quality, but I don't see the full package there. I don't see a side that can can build up and contest the same way. You watch Canberra and Perth when they're challenged. They'll always find a way to bounce back. They'll have a lot of quality players who who are there. With Brisbane, where is that spark? I, I just, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't see it. And again, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Um, but they're just, they're, they're so middle tier. And to say that they can comfortably be in a finals position on the verge of the finals in seventh, I don't, I don't see that. I don't. Well, you're going to hate what I put next then because it's not Brisbane yet. It's actually Perth. I think Perth. <laughs> oh, God. I love that reaction. But, um, for, for anyone playing at home, Matt looks flabbergasted right now. But no, look, the way you talk about Brisbane, I, oh, I can see it to a certain extent in Perth. My, this purely came from who I think is better between Brisbane and Perth, and Brisbane has won that battle for me. You're going to hate it, I know, but I don't... I, I, I think Brisbane win that battle overall. I think Brisbane do have a few quality players in there. They've got uh, they've got a decent visa contingent. I think there's just a little bit more about them that can take them forward. I think Olgerson will actually be quite a good signing. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, seventh, I've got the Mariners because I just think it's it's a bridge too far to say that um, they're going to be a finals team straight off the bat. But I, I really, you know, when, when we were sort of talking about the Mariners and we built up that prospect and we looked at it on paper and, um, you know, we, we put the clip out on socials um, with my sort of summers, sum, summarize of, of, of the situation. I think there's there's enough consistency there to the point where they will constantly sort of be be in and around, and I just don't think their that their lows are going to be that low. Um, so I'm really sort of looking forward to seeing the Mariners, um, especially the home games that they play, the, the the derby against the Jets. You know, just occasions like that where we know they'll step up. They'll they'll be a very good football team on their day. So I'm really looking forward to it, and um, I just yeah, seventh is exactly roundabout where the Mariners should be. Well, if it wasn't obvious before, I do have Brisbane in six. There's, there's quality there between Hoggerson and Mia Corbin. I think there are players that can push Brisbane into the six. Uh, Chelsea Blissett as well coming into the back line. Jenna McCormick coming into the back line. There's, there's quality and obviously to make a yell up as well. You add Holly Palmer and Anisha Nori, you've actually got a good midfield there. There's, oh, I think that this is a side capable of making the six. Yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, so I've, I've actually just changed this, right? Because for me, Perth were very obviously going to be in fifth. Um, but I realized that I'm probably misdiagnosing Canberra quite a lot. And I'm, I'm happy to actually comfortably put them in the sixth. And ultimately it, it puts Perth in sixth. Um, which means in a way elimination final. And for me, that's just exactly where the club aspires to be. It's exactly where the club should be finishing. Um, and. 
I, I just think that there's so much last season where no matter, you know, the occasion and the prospect that was in front of them, they could always pull something out of the bag. They're always there to challenge no matter the occasion and they can play some really, really attractive football. I'll tell you why, why people sleep on it, right? I'm not, I'm not sitting there and saying that you're being ignorant and you, you don't know a quality side when, when you see one. Your summarize the way that you've been able to sort of put that together in your head about Perth and the way that they lack their quality. I can so see where it comes from, but having watched that team as intimately as I did, I just, I, I actually know that the talent comes from places where it's not sort of the, the big names that you're expecting to constantly sort of step up and, and be, uh, be, be the big player on the day, you know? So I'm, I'm just, I'm expecting enough consistency there. And I just think there's an all round very good football team there to comfortably be playing finals. I understand that there's a bit of an irony in me saying that they're going to comfortably make it when we're talking about a side that's sort of fifth or sixth. But I really think that that's just, just straight where they are. And the difference with a Brisbane or a Mariners is with Brisbane, you, there's just too many question marks. With Perth, you actually know what you're going to get. You are constantly seeing the narrative playing out and you know who the good players are in the team and you know what to expect from them. Um, you, you can't say that from Brisbane, I don't think. So Perth, Perth are comfortably sixth, if not fifth, if not fourth. They could easily challenge for fourth. Look. For me, that Perth and Brisbane is very interchangeable. There, I do say quality in this Perth side. My decision more comes from I just think the quality of Brisbane's that little bit better. Moving in the fifth part, and this might be a hot take, not for who I'm putting here, but for who it means is above them. I've got Western United. I actually think, I might say fall off a little bit, but I do think they do slip a bit down the table. I mentioned it when we started talking about them. I think they will be found out this year. I think they won't be able to stay as consistent as what they could last year with them being this real unknown factor but there's still quality about them they really should be make, even comfortably making the finals again but in terms of pushing for that top four again I think might just be a bit too much for them and look it also says a lot about who's above them as well it's just that there's a lot of quality competition this year yeah um I mean I don't I don't necessarily agree on the ordering there I think Weston can still probably uh, get in get into fourth spoiler alert the gap between a Perth and a Brisbane to Western United sort of being the fourth team on the end of that that big three, it sort of is prime position for Canberra. And like I've, like I've said with Canberra, it is very obvious where the focal point is. They are a superb attacking team. Do they have the depth and the quality? I, I don't know. But they're still a very good football team, and, and both simultaneously can be true. So I think the, the natural pecking order there is a team that will be contending. Now, I guess where we, where we disagree here is that I see Perth comfortably in that fight with Canberra and Western. You very much don't. You, you see it as sort of Perth and, and Brisbane and the Mariners can fight for sixth. And that, that's, that's a matter of opinion. And that's obviously my, my WA bias cooking into it. But playing with the numbers from, from a Canberra perspective. Yeah. I think they can, they can comfortably sort of fit themselves into the sixth, but not, not too comfortably. Um, and that ultimately just comes from, from the lack of depth that they have. My pick for fourth is going to really throw you off then. He's as hold on. Has he you you put City Victory or, or Sydney fourth? City. The lack of depth syndrome, eh? I don't think City have a lack of depth. I just really, really like this camera side. And if there's someone that I think okay. they're gonna get on top of again, it's just City. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, and look, well, that's not a knock on City. Like you're talking about a side with Rana Policino, Holly McNamara, Hannah Wilkinson. There there's a very, very good team. They're Rebecca Stodd as well coming into back into the team. There's a lot to like about it, but I really, really like this Canberra side. 
And that's why I think they'll finish above. It's, it's, it's purely just because I like another team more. I, I can't say a lot bad about anyone coming from even seventh to first. There's not a lot of negative things that I can say about all of them. It's just about who do I like more rather than what do I like less about each team. Okay, well, I, I um, we need to take a step back, just one second, because in fourth, I've got Western for the simple fact that I think the top three is actually really easily well-defined. Um in, and and my extension to that is I just think that we've seen maybe a dip of quality. I think we saw a better Western United side last season than what we're going to see this season. I, I am going to throw back to you though because because Cody, what, like, what am I actually missing with Cambry United? Uh, am I stupid? Look, my love for this team just basically comes from the front three. You're talking Vesa Milivojevic and Michelle Heyman themselves almost put them into a final spot last year. I don't know if Melbourne City looked better than what they did last year. But Melbourne Canberra definitely do look a lot better adding Maria Rojas into it. And that's something they've taken away from Melbourne City as well. It's a, it's a, it's a hot take, but I feel like, especially with how open this competition is going to be, and I feel like we're going to see an underrated side push further ahead than maybe what we expected them to. And I think Canberra is going to be that team. I'm probably thinking about who's going to be the surprise package here and where it's going to come from and how we're going to see it play out. I've got confidence in this Canberra side for them to actually go, you know what, we're not just here to go. Yeah, we'll finish fifth or sixth and say, yeah, we've made finals. I think this, this is a team capable of going, yep, we're not, we're going to go into the final series. We're going to push deep into the final series. We're not here to make up numbers. We're here to make an impact. Honestly, fair enough. Like fair, fair game. Um, I think it's obvious that my surprise packet in that same way would be, would be Perth, um, knocking on the door of sort of a fifth or a fourth. Look, I guess that, that leaves us with the contenders. I still think that when addressing Melbourne City, who I've got in third, we, we maybe should admit that one or two injuries could derail them quite a bit, but we know that the younger talent in that team is probably the best of any other squad in the competition, if that, if that makes sense. Um, well, yeah, if you've got someone coming out of the front line, you have someone like Caitlin Carriage who can step in there. There's, you've got both McKenna's there now as well, so there's still that depth there. But exactly. I just really like Canberra. I sound really stupid right now, but I don't give a shit. I think this Canberra side is going to uh, uh, is going to go, go surprise it. a lot of people. I sat there and I sat there and said Perth are probably going to knock Western off fourth, and then proceeded to not predict that. So <laughs> at least you're being at least you're being bold. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, someone's got to be bold here. But look, I think we've got third to twelve down pretty down pat. We'll go top two at the same time because there's no point going okay get them first because I have a feeling we're both going to pick the same team for first. Uh you know what? You go first actually, just in case I have a hot take here as well. You don't have a hot take. It's Melbourne victory in second. So... <laughs> what do you? What do you mean? <laughs> I'm going to tee it up. Just I want to see if I could trick you for a second. In all honesty. Um, yeah. Look, I guess when when talking about Melbourne victory, I think we can actually really take some solace from the fact that they re they rebuilt and rebuilt well. Um, they put the foundations in place to make sure that they could be a team that really knocked on that door of being a premier again after a few seasons where they just sort of knocked about, finished fourth got lucky in the finals um and you 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 know that when some when you sort of prime yourself for success and it comes earlier than expected that can be a, a way to almost derail yourselves you look at the men's program and the way that okay kevin musket departed and that was really big and significant for the team but winning that grand final in new zealand i mean <laughs> in newcastle in 2018 i actually think it was actually a really big part of the reason why they went on to become so farcical on the pitch in the years thereafter. I think that when, when sides hit their prime a bit too early, as the Victory Women's program did, you can be a bit derailed by that and players can just kind of lose their way. It's not, it's not what's happened. Like they've actually, they've actually rebuilt and been able to keep their place 
as a really big hitting club. And like we were saying, they've attracted those big name Matilda quality signings for a reason. Um, they're a very attractive place to go and play your football as a female footballer. So the more that they can build on that, the more that we know what to expect from them, such is the fact that we've both comfortably picked them in, in second place. And then Sydney FC? Um, well, that's, that's where you then segue in with your thoughts about victory, but all good. The- <laughs> no, I just wanted to see what you thought as well, man. Yeah, I, I, I guess with Sydney FC, there's just, there is quality in every which direction. And when you look at a side like that, it's not even that you look at them and go, oh, well, where can I pick out the flaws? You actually look at them and go, well, how powerful can they be? And when you're asking that, you're talking about a premiership score. Um, my, my issue, I guess, would be that, that we're almost too confident. <laughs> um, you know, because, because it has been such a dogfight in the top four in, or the top three in, in recent years with the women's competition. I do therefore wonder, are we sort of prematurely, um, giving, giving Sydney that title? And I think the fact of the matter is there's been zero games played. So of course we are, right? Well, look, there's potential there for possibly egg to be all over our face, but that was a good explanation because mine was purely just going to be Sydney good with a thumbs up. So there's, there's a reason why I wanted you to go into it. Look, as, the Sydney side. Yeah, uh, as the Gen Z's say, <laughs> um, that is straight fire. I say this as someone that's born in 1998, by the way. So, um, oh, man. <laughs> no, look, this Sydney side, you said it yourself, it's incredible. There's quality all over the park and you've got a deadly strike force as well that you somehow managed to make better with Haley departing. You've got the best player in the league for the last few years, still within your ranks when she should arguably not just be overseas, but be at arguably a big club overseas as well. I'd argue she'd be able to slot into possibly, I'd say a Manchester United. That's how highly I'd rate her. That's probably the level I'd say so far, considering especially they did lose Alessia Russo in the offseason. Look, that's basically how we think this season's going to play out. For everyone listening, once again, thank you so much. We do really appreciate it. Be sure if you did enjoy it, drop a five-star rating. On Spotify, it does help us send the front page football network out a lot. If you didn't enjoy it, um, don't rate at all. We don't want anything lower than five stars, of course. <laughs> like I said, thank you all so much. Be sure to catch off, um, socials, front page football, uh, front page football on Twitter, front page football on Instagram, front page football on Facebook and LinkedIn and threads. I think it's front page, front page football. I don't know. I don't know how many people actually still use threads. That was like a real flash in the pan sort of thing. Matt, I don't think you even got on it at all, did you? No, but I've only just recently caught on to the whole Instagram thing. So, like, I've I've only started using Instagram stories for the first time in the last, like, three or four months. So, threads... See, that, that, that's a late bloom. Instagram's probably the first. That's most people's introduction to social media, which is... Yeah, but I've always been I've always been really staunch on Facebook. Like, I've always been mega, mega on my Facebook posting. So, that's probably why. Yeah, I'm just, I've that, never I'm been. just that old mentally. No, oh, to be fair, I used to be like in that, that 16, 17 age bracket. I was like one of those real Facebook shit posters. Um, what a time to be alive that was. But that's all we have today. My name is Cody Ajita. I've been your host for Front Page Dub. The next time we'll see you, the league will be really into the swing of things. Hopefully we may even have a special guest for you uh, when we do come back. But we will see you in a fortnight. My name is Cody Ajita. I've been joined by Matt Olsen. Any final words? Uh, yeah, get around the dub. Get around the dub. Famous last words. See you in Fortnite.